How do I uh, sound, by the way? Good. Uh, Good. Uh, you sound nerdy. Nice. <laughs> just the, the the appropriate levels of nerdiness. I plugged in my new mic. I'm very excited to use it. It sounds really oh. clear. Yeah, yeah, it sounds super clear. And then I check my receipt. I got it for less than 90 bucks. So there you go. This 89 guy. and change. Very yeah, nice. Bandit. Levels looking beautiful, by the way. All uh, all full. Full and shapely. Full, full and shapely, <laughs> eh? It's a good waveform. It's a real good looking waveform. Movies, TV, Blu-rays. If somehow you're consuming it on the screen with your eyes, then you'll hear it on Scene and Nerd. Here are the hosts of Scene and Nerd, Casey, Pete, and Matt, with a little help from Casey Franco. Welcome back to Scene and Nerd. We are back, and... We're talking a lot of TV today. Uh, just a quick programming note, if you didn't see it on Twitter, um, we were scheduled to interview Terry Metalis and Travis Fickett, and, and unfortunately, uh, schedule, uh, schedules happen, and we are going to reschedule with them um, for very soon. So um, if you're hoping for that, we apologize, but it will be happening, so not to worry. Uh, Start up the show with disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it first on Scene and Nerd. <laughs> um, so, moving along, um, we, also, we are going to get to what? What? Don't you do it? Inter- <laughs> do the introductions, Pete. Start the show. Oh, oh my bad. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. So, I'm your host, Pacing Pete. Alongside. Oh, is Mr. Casey Franco. Hi, skip me. Move on. <laughs> and Mr. Maddie, I'm Sousy. <laughs> wow, really? Maddie? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. And uh, joining us is always the unofficial member of Cena Nerd, Miss Lauren Galloway. <laughs> Hello. I'm back. There will be uh, an induction ceremony soon. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get the, uh, the doves. Oh, no, that's for a funeral. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> is John Woo going to direct that or something? Oh or my what? gosh, that'd be awesome. Do it on a rooftop. <laughs> yes. It has to happen. Um, all right, so like I said, we're back. We're going to kick things off with Matt's redactions. Matt, what do you got for us this week since you hey. were not last week? I think that's Casey's <laughs> segue into his... <laughs> Yeah, you still might. I totally <laughs> stole it. Sorry. Okay, so I had a lot of fun last week listening to the show because I wasn't on. So um, I feel like you guys threw these out on purpose. I actually have something to say when I come back. So thank you. Maybe. First, um, I kind of split the first couple into um, two uh, two divisions that's uh, not of approval, but shake my head. And I abbreviated SMH in my notes because I am part of that generation. First, uh, Casey, not of approval. Yes. I heard you like Aquaman. Uh, (laughs) No, that's fine. I I heard you like Aquaman. And it's fine. Sucks. He's the worst, dude. I don't know where. Shake my head for not telling me. That's the only thing. I don't know where you get your information. That's bad. (laughs) This is bad news. (laughs) The next one is uh, um, last week, uh, not of approval. To the uh, Firefly reference, but shake my head because he didn't know they were called Reavers. Come on, guys, Reavers. Ah. You're talking about like the crazy people that eat people and stuff. 
Carl Reavers. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, and the other one was, um, you guys kept saying uh, striking or striker woman yeah. from Twelve Monkeys. Uh, I looked it up on IMDb. Her official name is the striking woman, not striker woman. Oh. Details. Little suffix difference, <laughs> nice but uh, yeah, she doesn't strike people. That's that's what it is, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Any uh, last one? Um, you guys mentioned about there are shield-related teams uh, out there, and uh, can really think of one. I think um, <laughs> Casey hit the nail on the head with a with a blind guess, and he said sword, which stands yep. for, and it does exist. It's called the uh, sense for Sentient World Observation and Response Department. So Sword and Shield, pretty cool. And um, they specialize in extraterrestrial threats. So yeah, they work on like spacey baddies and stuff like that. And nice. um, pretty cool that it was introduced a- in an X Men series. And guess who it was written by? No, any, uh, any no, guesses, guys? No, no. Well, I mean, no. I know, I know, but I won't. Okay, so knows. Uh, it was written by Joss Whedon. Oh, okay. What? How cool is that? So, uh, possible show up in the next Avengers movie? Seen in an exclusive. Question you heard, mark? You heard it here first. Heard it. <laughs> Hashtag potentially connected. And, uh, yeah, so that's just my redactions for the week. Um, what I normally say for this stuff, I forgot. I haven't said in a long time. There you go. <laughs> Didn't you say, like, henceforth those are redacted? Oh, yeah, from here on and thenceforth, uh, those comments and mishaps have been redacted. Nailed you need it. some coffee, Matt. You need some coffee. I do. What is I do, going I do. on? I thought you said you need like a gavel you... to like slam. Redacted. <laughs> yes. I don't know. It's the knock on something. <laughs> there you go. Sound Use effects fine, man. Now you you keep Jack <laughs> really stealing from you. <laughs> this is yours. Oh. Right? This is this is the sound effect for yours. All right. Hence where the shit's been redacted. All right. <laughs> There you go. That's yours. That that one's free. That one's on the house. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Thanks, Matt. Okay. So, um, getting real quick into the new movies out this week. Uh, okay. So, if you follow me for the longest time, you know that I hate the Paul Blart movie. Um, it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I apologize if you like it, but I it's. Uh. I was forced to watch it once, and and I didn't laugh one time, and. I, I didn't get why they came out with a sequel. I just didn't understand it. So to to move on from that, it's at a zero percent on the tomato meter. So don't waste your time. Um, and it's still at zero. As it's of still right at now. zero. And I wrote this last night. So so yeah, save your money. Go go watch something better. Go watch Gal- Gardens of the Galaxy. I don't know. Um, true story. That's at a fifty percent on the tomato meter. Unfriended is at 73% on the tomato meter. So that's what's out in theaters. See, I'm surprised by that because it looks really dumb. But yeah. un- a lot of people like it. Well, it's supposed, hype. Be, it's supposed to be the next generation of horror films, right? Everything's moving Everything's moving digital, but it's just not that. Like, Skype doesn't scare me. I, I don't. Like, <laughs> it's, it's not a good See, idea. You say that, and then now someone's going to come in with, like, a 555-555-555 number. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't unfriend him. If you log off, you die. It's like, all right, I'll just make a new account. Like, that's fine. What if my internet <laughs> connection drops? Just scare me. Does that count? <laughs> Never thought I'd be murdered because of my broadband. Thanks, Comcast. <laughs> that's why she'd always use Comcast. <laughs> yeah, check your carrier. <laughs> oh. 
All right, so that's what's out in theaters. Uh, new on Blu-ray this week: uh, Big Eyes, The Woman in Two, the, the Woman in Two, The Woman in Black Two, Angel of Death, and Map to the Stars. Maps to the Stars. Man, I cannot say anything right today. Matt, Maddie to the Stars. Maddie to the Stars. Not Maddie. Uh, <laughs> Not Maddie. If if you hear this episode, just be sure to when you uh, tweet to us, just hashtag Maddie, or make sure you tweet at I am Maddie. It does not exist. That's another person. <laughs> Don't bother that person. Probably. probably exists. That isn't to become a thing. <laughs> All right. So that's what's uh, out in theaters and on Blu-ray this week. Uh, go check it out. Um, All right. Casey's Rundown. It's time for the entertainment. It's <laughs> 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 disgusting. My allergies have just been killing me today. I just I'm wearing headphones. <clears throat> Sorry. Anyway, uh, entertainment, whatever. And uh, first up, MTV2 has ordered a pilot for a new reboot of none other than Celebrity Deathmatch. What? Yes. It's okay. an all new generation of celebrities being murdered by celebrities. Gentlemen, your thoughts. I think uh, I can get down. I, I really love the original Celebrity Deathmatch. It was hilarious. You know, it was silly. It was dumb. And I found it entertaining. So we'll see how they do with this, uh, this reboot. Yeah. I wonder if it's just going to be celebrities killing Justin Bieber every week. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, though? He might have gained a lot of, of, of people who might have liked him a lot more after his roast because he took that like a champ. Like, they, yeah, ripped, but- him, they ripped him to shreds. And they did. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, I'm just saying he sat there and, and took it like a champ. So I give him credit for that. As he's no. used to doing. No, see, that's the whole reason why he did it. That's why you should hate him even more. <laughs> I don't know if you saw, uh, what's his name? Uh, Hannibal Burris had a joke get cut. And his joke was something yes. along the lines of like, thanks. Like, you should be thanking me for even taking a part in this obvious attempt to make yourself look better in the public eye. And I hope it doesn't work. Whoa. I so. did not. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that ended up Hannibal Burris, and I did see that too. Yeah, I thought that was one of the funniest things <laughs> they could have said about that whole situation. Since since we're on the topic of Justin Bieber, uh, I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna say anything about this one, but uh, an Argentine uh, an Argentine judge has eh, an Argentine <laughs> judge issued an arrest warrant for Justin Bieber, saying the singer failed to respond to a summons related to his 2013 incident in uh, Bruno's Aires. Buenos Aires? Buenos Aires. Aires. Yeah, that's it. I'm not a... (laughs) Oh. Listeners, if you didn't know Casey was white, um, (laughs) I think it's like... Myth confirmed. I'm the guy guy who orders the vaginas at Mexican restaurants. (laughs) Anyway, I think Justin Bieber's a piece of shit. We could all agree on that. Uh, Moving on. Uh, Marvel has released another Ant-Man trailer, or I guess their first official one, and, uh, it looks good. It looks real good. I was, uh, I was wondering how they were gonna make him real cool, and I guess they're using his shrinking ability to, like, add to his, to his punch, and, uh, there's a, there's a killer bee. It's gonna be awesome. What do you, what do you think of that, Lauren? What do you, what are your thoughts on Ant-Man? It looks really interesting. I don't know very much about the canon, but obviously he can shrink and get really small. Um, I think it's really 
interesting when certain themes start showing up in television and movies around the same time. Because on The Flash this week, you had the Adam, who in the comics can shrink, take mm-hmm. on the bug-eyed bandit who was unleashing all these bees. And then I watched the Ant-Man trailer, and it was almost like watching the same thing. Because... Mm-hmm. Like, Ant-Man could shrink, and then he's going to be fighting the Hornet, and he was, like, rallying all the ants together. So it was kind of like watching this, like, weird Flash slash Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, like, <laughs> mashup. And I mean that in a good way. But it just you know, kind of reminded me of that, because, like, they jump on the bees in that movie. Um, I think it's going to be good. Uh, to this day, Marvel has um, yet to make a bad film, in my opinion. Um, I love Paul Rudd. I think he's going to be fantastic as like the kind of like the reluctant superhero. And I'm excited to see what they're doing with Evangeline Lilly's character as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see how it goes. Um, you know, we talked about this a while back and my thoughts were um, that I, I'm, I'm excited to see it. Uh, I love Paul Rudd, but I'm, 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 I'm more interested to see how he pulls off the superhero character just because I don't see him in, in that kind of role. But, you know, maybe he'll maybe he'll surprise me. Um, but like I said, I, I do like Paul Rudd. Um, I'm interested. I'm interested to see how it how it's executed. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So make sure you guys pay attention to uh, Paul Blart as Ant-Man. It should be a good one. <laughs> uh, Blart uh, Ant-Man. Of course. <laughs> Speaking of Blart, did you guys see the um, the at midnight hashtag game last night? Oh, no, I, I, was it? It was add Blart improve a movie, and oh, God. seriously, it was one of the funniest hashtag games I've seen in a long time. It was like, um, like the Blart Shank Redemption. Oh my God! <laughs> and like Forest Blart, um, Doss like, Blart. Yeah. Harry, Blart. Oh Harry, my God. Harry Potter and the Deathly Mallows Blart One. Yeah, and they like photoshopped a picture of Kevin James over Voldemort's face. Oh my God, it was so funny. That's pretty fantastic. That's awesome. All right. Lastly, uh, according to Quartz.com, uh, Netflix is now bigger than cable giant CBS. Mm. Whoa. Whoa. Um, that in, is a huge deal. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah. We, we, I for one am looking forward to our new uh, streaming-based robot overlords. <laughs> you will watch seventeen hours of television today. <laughs> and uh, and with that, uh, that's gonna do it for my <sighs> entertainment, entertainment, whatever. Still haven't. Did she just fall asleep? Was was that? Still, that was supposed to be a snort, but. I mean, my sinuses are just not cooperating today. Anyway, like ignore that. Uh, I'm I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Thanks, <away>. Casey. <laughs> Thanks, Casey. All right. So, uh, so quick tidbits on comic book uh, news. We really want to get to uh, the TV talk, so I'm going to make this short. Um, first up, uh, Patty Jenkins taking over the uh, direct director role for uh, Wonder Woman. So they were quick to add a uh, director. There's no lag on that. So it'll be interesting to see how, how she does with Wonder Woman. Um, I'm anxious to see how they, how they portray her on screen. I'm a, I'm a DC guy. So um, seeing all this come to life will be really, really interesting and should be a lot of fun. Um, also, uh, it seems like uh, we're, just, we're, we're very much in 
this prime of comic book uh, movie and Star Wars. Uh, <clears throat> just it's just it's great to be uh, a fan of all these genres. Uh, you know, Lauren, you were at you were at Star Wars Celebration, right? Um, no, I wasn't. I wasn't at celebrations, but I drove up there Wednesday to hang out with my Assembly of Geeks producer, Scott. And so he's in town for celebration. So I've oh, okay. been posting a lot of his content and watching okay. the live streaming and watching the panels. Okay, cool. Um, so I, I wanted to talk about how, like, you know, the Star Wars trailer got released. Everyone's going crazy about it. Um, well, hello. What What is that? Is that... What? What do you... I apologize. That was my computer. Are you hallucinating? (laughs) Timestamp? Hashtag. Hashtag, are we going to cut this? (laughs) Hashtag, keep it in the show? Ah, shake it off. All right, just keep going. I'm not going to write it down. Doesn't matter. Oh, my gosh. I apologize. I totally thought that was somebody else's computer. I didn't even realize that was mine. My bad. Nope, definitely yours. Little <laughs> peek behind the uh, Iron Curtain here. Uh, um, the Iron Curtain. Oh, God. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. All right. So, uh, quick thoughts. Uh, Lauren, your thoughts on the Star Wars trailer? I loved it. I think it's incredible. I was watching the live stream panel with Kathleen Kennedy and JJ Abrams yesterday and just getting to hear them talk about how much they love this film franchise and how much they love the fans. I mean, Kathleen Kennedy, she said the fans are what make the Star Wars universe special. And I love seeing them roll out the little ball droid did you guys see that? Yes, um, so cool. Everyone thought he was CG, but he's real. Yeah. Maybe eight. Um, and then, you know, you just, you get to see the original cast on stage and the new cast on stage, and then they played the trailer. So it was just like an epic fan moment. And the trailer was incredible because everybody thought that the sand planet was Tatooine, and it's not. It's this new planet called Jakku. And mm-hmm. apparently this massive battle took place on Jakku. That's why there's a Star Destroyer like buried in the sand. Um, and of course, the best part of the trailer was seeing Han Solo and Chewbacca on the Millennium Falcon at the end. So I loved it. I'm really excited to see The Force Awakens in December. Nice. Uh, Matt? Uh, yeah, well, I guess I watched it a few times and you, I was excited because you can see the real scope of the movie um, with like the with the new planet and seeing that stars are buried in the sand. I think that's pretty cool. Um, and yeah, like at the end, I just <laughs> I think I replayed like the last conversation with Han Solo and Chewie like at least like eight times. Just Chewie, we're home. <laughs> and then like the orchestra goes in. It was so cool. Like, it's, uh, I'm so excited. Nice. Uh, Casey? Uh, I liked it because it was a trailer done right. I think so many times you see trailers that will tell you the entire plot line of the movie before you've even finished the trailer. And uh, while I also think that they don't, that they're probably still figuring out the order of the plot to some extent, uh, they still don't give anything, hardly anything away in uh, in the trailer. All they really give away is that, as my tweet said uh the skywalkers might possibly have family friends and that is it that's all i know <laughs> and that's uh it's not necessarily a bad thing awesome <laughs> all right thanks um all right so i i really enjoyed it uh my birthday's on christmas eve so i'll be checking that out for sure like i will be in line waiting for that to come out i'm super excited about it 
the trailer looks amazing. Um, like Matt said, when you see Chewie and, and Han talking and then boom, the music hits. It's just like all the feels. So it's super like John Williams sneezed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So uh, from one movie that was officially, the trailer was officially released to another one that was unofficially officially released. The bootleg for the Batman v Superman trailer came out last night. Um, it's it's it appears Warner Brothers can't seem to uh, pull it back because it's like Get popping up everywhere. Yeah. yeah, it's you know it's it's I I couldn't help it. I I'm I've been I'm waiting for this movie like crazy. Uh, so I had to see the bootleg. Um, I won't talk about it too much. Just that. Uh, I think it looks pretty interesting, and I'm waiting for the uh, HD version to come out so we can really get a clean look at it. So um, if you want, go check it out. If not, you're going to get a uh, fully, officially clean version of it on Monday night is what, I'm, what I've been reading. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, yeah, so that's, that's going to do it real quickly for our comic book movie news. We're going to get into TV talk because we've got a lot of TV to talk about. And yes, we do. Yes, we do. A lot of stuff went down. On television this week, we had some premieres. We had some returns. We're going to kick things off with the uh, premiere and return of Game of Thrones. Yes. All right, I'm Thank done. Thanks, yeah. Were you originally <laughs> planning on like putting the music in, but you kind of forgot to <laughs> so start singing it, Casey? Is that what it was? <laughs> no. I don't know why you think that. Um, all right, so... Uh, the one thing I've noticed about the uh, Game of Thrones episodes when they come back, the season premieres, is they're not um, – they're very – they're set up for everything else that's going to happen the rest of the season. Uh, and, and I do like that. I, I like that we get a lot of story, a lot of buildup. Um, what uh, – Lauren, what did you think of the flashback of Cersei? I thought that was really cool. At first, I wasn't sure if it was a flashback or not, but the little girl that they cast to play young Cersei was perfect. She was just really sassy and had a lot of attitude. Um, I really like the actress who they got to play Maggie the Frog, the fortune teller. Her name is Jodie May. She's an awesome British actress. So it was cool to see her just have this kind of little bit. But the flashback was interesting because... What did she say? You won't marry the prince, you'll marry the king, mm-hmm. which we know is um, Bra- Rob, Robert, Robert Baratheon, right? Baratheon. Yeah. And then you'll have three children. Gold will be their crowns and gold mm-hmm. will be their shrouds. And so as a non-book reader, I don't know who's supposed to die, but we know that Joffrey is worn his crown and mm-hmm. he is buried in his shroud and mm-hmm. she has two kids left. So that kind of makes me worried about um, what's the current King's name, her middle son. I can't uh, remember. I, I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember. <laughs> Annoying kid. Number five. <laughs> I can't remember. And then her daughter who's in Dorne, obviously, you know, she's really worried about her daughter because the people in Dorne are really mad about Oberon being dead. So, I thought it was an interesting way to open the show. I think we're going to see a lot more of her and Jamie's kids in this season mm. and to see Cersei like try to protect them knowing about that prophecy. Yeah, it was really kind of scary when you think about it. You're, you're watching it and the fortune teller is telling her everything that's happened um, and then setting us up for even more things that are ha- that are going to happen. So that was, um, that was pretty creepy. Um, so moving on from that, uh, 
Case, what did you think of uh, Tyrion uh, getting out of town and uh, <laughs> getting saved by Lord Varys? I uh, I like that they uh, included the the real like nitty gritty of how he survived in the box. He's like, oh, I had to. You don't know what it's like to push shit through this hole. And he's like, You don't know what it's like to pick your shit up and throw it overboard. I'm like, Oh, that's how they did it. Okay, that makes sense. Glad they had that little argument. Um, I think it's cool where he is now. I think they're setting him up for redemption or not. You know, with Game of Thrones, it can go either way. Maybe they're setting up for for just a a really gruesome death. You never you never really know. Speaking of which, uh, I like how one of the first scenes, uh, the unsullied captain was just—he just gets his close-up neck cut. Kind of, I kind of like how they did that because it gets the audience reacclimated to the amount of murder that's in Game of Thrones. I think people may have forgotten how gruesome this show was over the break, and uh, <laughs> those first couple of scenes really did a good job of getting everyone back into the swing of things. Yeah, very true. Just quick sidebar, that character you're asking about, Laura, and that was Lancel Lannister. Lancel. Lancel. Lancel Lannister. Okay. Lancel Lannister. Lancel. Um, <laughs> Dang it, Pete. I was going to save that for redactions next week. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, you, you can redact me on that if you want. It's okay. <laughs> um, all right, so getting back to what the scene Casey was just talking about. Uh, Lauren, what do you think of uh, the ta- this, this uh, city that Khaleesi's tried to take back, but it seems like it's not going the way she had hoped it would go? She's in Marine, right? Mm-hmm. I loved how they were showing that gold statue in the beginning of her scene, and it almost looked like they were raising the statue up. But then as the camera pulled back, the statue was toppling down. And so you can see that she's really trying to restore the city. And like, what I love about Daenerys is that she is like like free all slaves like that is the banner that she rides on and Mm -hmm. so like seeing the tensions between the masters and the former slaves i think is interesting um i think daenerys i mean she's so young and so she has the unsullied and she has her dragons and she has some of the second sons but like she doesn't really know what she's doing (laughs) i mean i love daenerys i'm team daenerys all the way but i think there is so much that she still has to learn about about ruling doesn't she say that in the episode i'm not a politician i'm a queen yeah yeah she does say that like is there a difference (laughs) is there supposed to be a difference um i mean like she's trying to like maintain her integrity but i don't think it's easy for her to do that and and that and she thinks it's almost like she feels like she even though she feels like she's given these people the best intention you know her best intentions um it's not going as well as she wanted to uh, and and she say and and I almost feel like I, I love I love Daenerys too like I love her character, but in the scene where she's talking to the uh, I can't remember his name but the character who's trying to explain to her you know about the whole like wanting to do the fighting the pit fighting thing, um, she wants them to be free but then she wants them to follow the way she wants things to go, so it's almost like she has a hint of this kind of dictatorship to her uh i kind of felt uh in that scene like she she's like you can be free but you got to follow what i want you to follow you got to you have to go the way you know you're gonna you're you're gonna do what i want you're gonna i'm gonna rule i i almost that's kind of the way i was that's kind of what i was getting from that um so what 
Casey, were you going to say something? Yeah, I just feel like she's, she seems like she's more timid than she was in previous seasons, at least at the start of this one. She's, yeah, she's I in agree. this new, like this newfound place of power, but she's starting to question herself a little bit. Well, with her, her dragons not really like obeying her. I think that once she conquers that fear of, of power or like really comes into her own, then not only will her dragons start obeying her, and I'm sure that'll be a whole episode in itself, and that'll be great, I'm sure of it, but, um, but uh, all the other, what is it, the, the former slave owners in that city mm-hmm. also will uh, respect her authority, and, <laughs> uh, and it will be all good in the desert. Yeah, speaking on the dragon part, that was pretty intense. Um, what, uh, Lauren, what did you think about how, how, the, how her kids, so to speak, reacted to her it's so sad because she loves them they're her babies but they're dragons yeah (laughs) um you can't tame them and so it's awful to see them underground and to see them chained up because they're these huge powerful majestic creatures that need a lot of room to fly but they're so dangerous so like I understand why Danny chained them up, but it, I think it's wrong. I don't think they should be. Um, and the fact that they're now treating her like they're not showing her affection; they're showing her like like fear and like terror. I'm really worried about how that's all going to go down. Yeah, it's going to be really, really, really interesting. Um, especially with the, that. Uh, I can't remember the name of the the dragon that's out, but Drogo. Um, Drogo, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of a, a touchy situation there. So that's gonna be interesting to see how that gets resolved. Drogo, um, come home. Drogo, get down from there. <laughs> <laughs> come here, little Drogo. <laughs> so, <laughs> so staying with Khaleesi, um, you know, we had Lord Varys and, and Tyrion talking about joining Team Khaleesi. Uh, Casey, what did you think of that? Of uh. Of whom? Joining whom? I'm sorry, I was looking <laughs> down for a second. Uh, Lord Varys telling uh, Tyrion that um, right, right, that they should go join Team Khaleesi. Right. Uh, so now I, we're we're starting to see the two worlds merge. Right now, it's been this like parallel story of of, of the Daenerys over on one continent and everything else happening on the other one. And now we're starting to see the the bridges get gapped. I think that he, I think that Tyrion would be an excellent advisor to Daenerys. Uh, she doesn't seem to be uh, discriminatory based on height, so he might have a <laughs> he might have a seat there. And uh, what with the murdering, I feel like a position might be opening up pretty soon. No, no, you're right. You're right. Um, so then we have Jon Snow, uh, who speaks with Stannis. And Stannis uh, kind of has a proposal for the Wildlings uh, and what he sees as a possible future. Lauren, what did you think of uh, Stannis' request to Jon Snow to speak with them about that? It's so difficult because part of me was like, Mance Raider, just take the knee. Just take the knee for your people. <laughs> and then part of me was like, oh, but he's a he's a wildling. He doesn't swear loyalty to any king. So I totally yeah. get get why he wouldn't do that. It's so hard. Like that's that's the whole kind of range of this show. It's just the game of thrones. Like all the political games that people play. And so the fact that Stannis was like I need to take Winterfell back, so I'm going to recruit all the wildlings, but I'm going to do it, 
and I'm going to make your leader do the one thing he swore never to do, which to me means he wanted Mance dead the whole time. Mm-hmm. And it was the only way to kill Mance while they were at like a peace treaty. The only way to make it Mance's decision to die and not Stannis's. Like he, he totally played Mance in that whole situation. So like putting Jon Snow in the middle of that, it, it didn't matter. Um, I think Mance wants to use Jon Snow. I think he's going to use Melisandre to, you know, use Jon Snow for his purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think the fact that Jon agreed to talk to Mance on behalf of Stannis just shows that, like, Jon is so similar to Daenerys. He's learning how to play the political game right now. So Jon Snow believes in the wildlings. He believes in their freedom. But for whatever reason, he caved to Stannis in that moment. And I don't think it's going to be the first time we're going to see Jon Snow make a bad decision. Yeah, and that was really intense, too, because you see him burning up in the, in the um, you know, they were going to, they executed him. But that was like, that was pretty crazy. And then Jon Snow just fires the arrow and puts him out of his misery. Um, Casey, what did you think of that whole intense scene? Um, I thought it was that was pretty well done. I wasn't sure if they were going to actually show that, but uh, they definitely did. Definitely did show him uh, burning alive. It was sad. It was kind of sad. I've never really had a, a a scene in Game of Thrones make my stomach like queeze before. That was the first time that it happened, and uh, I was kind of glad that it, it made you like it made you like what John did even more. Yeah, very true, and yeah, that was. That was certainly something, um, you know, Game of Thrones is, is certainly the, the type of show that gives you the, you know, the WTF moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was certainly one of them. True. Uh, and but it really, it, I think it set, it set John up as kind of like a rebel in his own right. Maybe that's mm-hmm. a little bit of foreshadowing that he, he, he kind of listens to Stannis, but not really to the letter of the law. Yeah. Like he'll still do what's right. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um, there was a few other things that went on. We won't talk about them too much just because they were very, very uh, qu- quick. Um, I mean, what did you guys think of um, Sansa and um, – oh, why am I forgetting his name? <laughs> pinky. <laughs> little Finger. Little Finger. Thank Which you. is a pinky. It's a, <laughs> it's a little finger. Never mind. Uh, Lauren, what did you think about that whole uh, situation and where it's I going? Th- I have some friends who are like, they ship Dark Sansa and Littlefinger like hardcore. They love Dark Sansa. They love Littlefinger. They love what's going on with them. Um, I don't trust Littlefinger as far as I could throw him. I think he is (laughs) evil and crazy and sadistic and, you know, has wanted the women in that family for a really long time. But I think for Sansa right now, she, I mean, she had to live with Joffrey for what three seasons yeah and she had to live with a man who you know was a complete psychopath and you know did crazy things to people so the fact that she has a man with her now that like protects her and at the moment seems to love her and have her best interest in mind i think it's the best place for sansa to be it's like a lesser of two evils like Joffrey was the worst. Littlefinger is uh, kind of right under it's Joffrey. Gets a close second. Um, <laughs> but for the moment, like 
she doesn't have freedom in that she could just take a horse and go somewhere, but he's not trying to like rape or hurt or kill her on a daily mm-hmm. basis, which is an upgrade from Joffrey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm good. hoping that at some point, like she learns some, some sword skills and she like runs away. Mm-hmm. But... Speaking of, speaking of females with sword skills, uh, what do you think about not seeing Arya this episode? I think um, she's going to be, I think she'll be the focal point of, of another episode. Well, probably. Maybe. I mean, it's kind of happened before where we haven't seen her for a little bit and then we see her for a whole episode. Um, mm-hmm. I love Arya, so um, I look forward to seeing her, um, uh, her, uh, you know, pop up in some way and, and see her story arc. Yeah, it was weird not to see her. And it's it's weird because a show like this, you have like 20 main characters that you kind of have to like rotate through. Like we get a little bit of John and we get a little bit of Daenerys. I know next week is mostly an Arya episode and she okay. arrives in Bravos, So we'll definitely get more of her next week. Cool. Awesome. All right. So yeah. Uh, excited to get reacclimated to murder. Um, so yeah, Game of Thrones was back this week, uh, and it was awesome. Um, look forward to see it, see how it goes the rest of the way. All right. So now we're going to get into Arrow and joining us for this Arrow talk and other TV talk is Miss Amy Marie. Uh, welcome back to the show, Amy. Hey. Whoa. Where'd you come from? (laughs) Uh, I've actually been here from the, the whole time, but there's this time travel discrepancy thing that's going on. I, I was I was just playing around a little bit with the space-time continuum. And so, actually, I've been here the whole time. You guys just haven't been existing in the same period of space-time. So Yeah, yeah. Spa- space-time's weird. You had to, like, unplug it, plug it back in. Actually. Yeah. Okay. Tap the box well, that- a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> and be sure you turn it on, because that's yeah. a big deal. <laughs> well, welcome back, Miss Multiverse. We're, we're happy you're back. <laughs> I'm so game with that nickname. <laughs> Andy gave you that name, right? Yeah, he did. He he kind of it just happened at the end of the Flash podcast because I was going into this huge, long, extensive theory about how Cisco is seeing what he's seeing on the Flash, and it was a theory based in Fringe. And then he's just like, "Oh, Miss Multi Universe," and I was like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> Miss Multiverse, that's going in the Twitter profile." That that's that is your name from now on. <clears throat> All right, so uh, we have a lot to talk about with Arrow uh, because it came back and it came back with a vengeance, and it was really really good. So let's kick things off. We have the first metahuman in Starling City. Uh, instant reaction, Amy. What did you think of that? Oh, hey, look, Superman. <laughs> um. <laughs> You said instant reaction. That was my first reaction. I was like, oh, hey, that looks kind of similar. Um, which is interesting, given that we learn at the end of the episode he's not actually from Central City. Yeah. So he wasn't there. So that means there are superheroes elsewhere in this universe. Ah! Um, I thought he was cool. I had I didn't know. I didn't realize that they were going to have a, a metahuman. I hadn't watched the trailer. So I didn't know they were going to have a metahuman. So I was pretty stoked about that. I also liked that they didn't turn to Barry. Largely, it made sense. Flitty's like, mm, no, he's a little busy right now. He's got some other stuff he's dealing with. But I liked it. I liked that it was a challenge. And I, li- I liked that um, that it was a challenge at a time when Oliver really didn't 
need a challenge. He's like, I, I really could have done without this, but I thought it made a good, I thought it made for good storytelling. I really enjoyed it. So sticking with the metahuman, um, what did you think Lauren of the, uh, you know, Oliver couldn't just jump in and save the day. He needed help. And he tried to fend that off as much as possible. And Felicity just had to say, you know what? You need to stop. You can't do anything right now. Uh, and um, in comes uh, Ray to save the day. What did you think of that? I thought that was really cool. I think, I think they really took this situation with Roy in prison as the arrow and then Oliver, you know, he's acquitted of the accusation. And so if the arrow is in prison, the arrow can't go fight this bad guy. And so Oliver was like, he was in a catch-22. Because if he put on the outfit and he went out to fight this guy, then clearly Roy wasn't the arrow. And then everything that Roy just did would have not been for anything. Like, there wouldn't have been a point to it. So I like that, like, his first instinct was, I'm going to go take this guy down. And it was Felicity, or if it was Diggle, had to, like, I think it was Diggle. He had to, like, put his hand on him and say, no, you can't do this. And when Diggle <clears throat> and Oliver hit each other. Oh, yeah. That was, like, that that, there was a lot heart. of, that was so hard to watch. Okay, yeah, I loved how they did that story in this episode that Oliver, you can't just go out and do everything all the time. You have a team for a reason. Why don't you let them use their skills to help you? So that I liked. What I don't get is why he didn't just put on Arsenal's outfit, with the exception of the fact that it probably would have been too small. Um, well, because the point I, I, of the episode was to have him learn how to ask for help. Yes, yeah. but realistically, <laughs> why didn't he just put on Royce out? Because they know that there's two of them. Yeah. Um, and I also there's feel like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. If you've got video surveillance of the Arrow and Arsenal coming into a building, I feel like there are techno people who can say, hmm, the Arrow who just turned himself in is about nine inches too short. <laughs> did no one did they not do that? I guess I guess they didn't because Roy had signed the confession yeah, and you're like, well, if you're confession. confessing. Yeah. You're yeah. confessing why I look any further. But I feel like if 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 Detective Lance was so set on getting Oliver, why didn't he literally sit down and say, I need I'm gonna prove to you right now that the guy who just turned himself in is not actually the arrow? I mean, I feel like it would have taken just a couple minutes um with a techno geek to figure that out. That irked me a little bit. I don't think it matters though, because it's a signed confession. And I think the police force was like, we are, we don't want to spend the time and the money and the manpower to go after somebody when we already have a signed confession in jail. Like, well, yeah, but Lance was spending so much time trying to convince, you know, trying to get Oliver because he knew it was Oliver. So it make if he wanted to get Oliver, he wouldn't have need to disprove the fact that Roy wasn't the arrow. And so I don't know. I just felt like there were a couple things he could have done, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna irk on about it because I liked this episode a lot. I thought it was really well done. I liked the storytelling and I get why they did everything. Just nitpicking a little bit because to me that seems like something that would have been really obvious. So Sticking with the whole um, Ray, Ray Palmer uh, saving the day thing, Casey. I know that's like your favorite character on this show. So, what did you think of of how funny and cheesy all uh, Ray was with Oliver uh, trying to save the day? Uh, I did not watch The Arrow this week. Oh, that's, uh, that's right. I feel like I told you that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> alert! I totally forgot. That was my so, bad. Like, 
I got my I got my arrow dose on the on the flash crossover, which uh, we'll be talking about sooner or later. So uh, I'm gonna lay back. I'm gonna lay back down. Uh, have fun with the conversation, guys. I can jump um, in on that, Pete, yeah, if you yeah, like. Thanks, thanks Matt. Um, <laughs> the uh, I, I loved it because uh, right before I watched Arrow, um, I watched the Flash again. So um, I thought it was really funny, just kind of seeing uh, like Ray's character like totally make more sense in the Flash kind of like uh, series, and then just seeing him give Oliver a high five, and Oliver being clearly like <laughs> clearly like does not want to give him a high five, reluctantly high fiving, which is the worst kind of high fiving. Um, yeah, I think uh, Ray's just cheesiness and. Uh, almost like childlike kind of like, ooh, I'm in a suit. It's so cool. And he's like very Felicity-like. I thought that whole conversation that um, <laughs> with like Felicity at the, the computer and then Oliver being like, uh, there's a good chance that you guys are related because they sound so similar. <laughs> um, but I, I like uh, – I love the, that dynamic in this episode. That's one of my favorite parts was um, Oliver was kind of like training him, kind of like how he did with um, – with uh Roy and it was like uh I love the uh kind of the uh the real steel kind of situation <laughs> towards the end where Oliver has to like control the suit and be his instincts and yeah. um that was really fun seeing him shadow box was <laughs> was pretty good but also uh at the point where it's like oh we lost connection then um instead of uh, Oliver saying like get out of there get out of there he's telling uh Ray like dude like you got to do this. This is this is how heroes are born, you know, essentially. And I thought that was a really good, I guess, turning point in seeing Oliver. Like you know, these people around us all want to, uh, around me, want to help. So it's now my job, even if I'm put on the sideline, to help these people, uh, help my team around me. You know, help the people that we all care about. So um, I th- I thought that was one of the. Uh, Probably like one of the best like uh, relationships on the show um, to to come out this season. Yeah, and and to stick with the whole shadow boxing thing, I thought that was a really cool sequence. The first thing that came to my mind was, I hope no one says, "Oh my god, they're trying to rip off Iron Man 3. because I feel like that would take away from how cool the scene was. Um, yeah, uh, but I, I really thought that was I thought that was really cool. I love the back and forth between Oliver and Felicity. Um, when they were talking to Ray at the same time and it, their little banter going back and forth was just um, hilarious. Yeah, uh, and just jumping into what you said about hoping people don't say it's a ripoff. It's like it's it's done before, you know, like yeah. how come nobody said anything about, you know, um, Iron Man 3 ripping off or uh, Pacific Rim ripping off, uh, you know, Iron Man 3, you know, like they also did that kind of sequence too where they were, you know, man and machine kind of working together. You know, and um, what was the movie that you always said Real Steel was really about? Like, oh, Robot Jocks, Robot, yeah, Robot Jocks. So, like, you know, um, it's it's been done before, but it's not to take away from the fact that that it was really cool. You know, I agree. Um, So, I feel like uh, the whole Ray and Felicity thing is slowly starting to spiral out of control. Uh, and you can kind of see Ray notice things when all- Felicity talks to Oliver. He yeah. he just noticed the way he talks to her sometimes. Uh, Amy, what do you think of how the relationship seems to slowly be unraveling? 
Well, I think I think we're at the point where Ray realizes that he really cares about Felicity, but she does not care for him back. I mean, there was that part in the beginning of the episode where he's like, we're just going to pretend that I didn't say what I say, the lowercase L in the word uh. love because of the nanobites in my head and they made me say things. <laughs> but that doesn't negate the fact that Felicity doesn't didn't say it back. And mm-hmm. he knows that. Now, if he was like, it, well, no, there's really no excuse. I mean, the fact is, no matter what was going on in his head, if there was anything going on in his head, he said what he felt about her and she did not reciprocate. And so he's starting to notice things that um, are pointing out to him how obvious it is that how Felicity feels for Oliver. And one of the things we actually talked about on the Flash podcast was Andy had pointed out how much Felicity touches uh, Ray and how much like she leans on him. And tonight we see her lean on Oliver and Mm. there are, you know, we haven't seen her be as touchy with Oliver this season Um, or, or rather we've seen her slowly start to, to touch him more. And that physical connection is something that's very important in a relationship for a lot of people that defines their closeness. You know, they want to be as close to each other as possible. And that includes physically. And a lot of times a hug is more comforting than anything else. And so for the, you know, especially in the Flash episode, we see how much Felicity connects with Ray physically. And in this episode, right at the very end, Ray saw how desperate Felicity was to connect with Oliver physically. And it's not sexual so much as it's just a connection that she is seeking. And Ray saw that. He noticed that. And he really does care about her, but. I feel like like he's noticing that they're not going to be able to continue the way they are because she clearly cares about Oliver, and um, Ray doesn't want to be hurt. He's gonna he's gonna be smart about it. He's gonna be like, look, I get it. I get that you're not into me. So before we go any further, before either of us gets hurt anymore, let's go ahead and break it off. And that that hurts me as a fan because I actually really enjoy Raylicity. Um, I think they're great for each other, but I can also see the clear and obvious chemistry between Felicity and Oliver, um, whether it was artificially created or not, between the series two and season through series three uh, hiatus, we won't get into. <laughs> but I think I think at this point, you know, Raylicity is not going to continue to happen, which is a bummer, but we always kind of knew that Olicity was going to be the end game. Yeah, very true. I mean, I, I, I thought we got away from the whole Elicity thing, and I was looking forward to the whole Raylicity thing going on. But it it appears we're 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 switching back and getting back to Elicity again. Um, so the whole you know w- with everything going on, the the in the background we got uh, Roy taking the fall for for Oliver and having to deal with everything uh, going on in prison. It actually reminded me of. Um, how they tried to reboot uh, Arrow as a movie and, and the, it was going to be titled Supermax where it was very similar in the situation where Oliver would go to prison and have to deal with all the bad guys he put in in, uh, in jail. And I thought that was really interesting that they did this in this episode. Um, Lauren, what did you think of uh, Roy taking the fall and having to deal with everything uh, and then how it all turned out? So Colton Haynes, the actor who plays Ray Harper, when he was filming this episode – he tweeted right at the very <laughs> last day, mm-hmm. like that he was emotionally compromised 
and that he was a complete and utter mess. And we knew that the episode was titled Broken Arrow. And so for the last maybe five or six weeks, a lot of people on Twitter have been talking about Roy possibly dying. And so, and of course that's sad news because everybody really likes Colton. So going into this episode, I thought he was going to die. And, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the East Coast people were tweeting like, oh, we're so sad to see Colton go. It doesn't help that literally the same day that Colton put out that tweet, Stephen Amell posted on Facebook and it's like, goodbyes are hard even when we know we were expecting them. And we're all going, oh, crap. <laughs> like, we, were at, we were at, we were at, at the, uh, the Paley Fest carpet and all of us were like all of the press people were all sitting there talking and we literally we get to the conversation. We're like, so we're all in agreement. Roy's going to die, right? Yeah. Yeah. Roy's going to die. It's just it's going to happen. So. <laughs> To this episode, Laura, I'm going to let you continue, but this episode was, ah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, I was up in Anaheim, like during the East Coast airing. And like, I didn't want to look at Twitter because of spoilers, but like, I, I just wanted to like talk to some people. So I started to see cast members, producers saying goodbye to Colton Haynes. And I was like, oh, okay, great. I'm completely spoiled for this episode. I know that Roy's <laughs> going to die. Mm-hmm. And so I got home really late that night. It was like 11.30. And so I put in the episode. I'm watching it. You know, I'm enjoying the episode. Colt, you know, Roy is in prison. They they fight him. He has a really great fight scene in the prison. Like somebody stabs him in the back. I was like, all right. He survived that fight. But he probably won't survive another one. And then we see that security guard stab him. And it was just so hard to watch that scene. And I was like, I can't believe it. They did it. They killed him. I'm like, why did they kill him? Yeah. Like, why, why are you going to take off a character that is so well-loved? And you just took this whole season to set up Arsenal and, like, he's dead. And then they immediately cut to, what, Oliver going to his apartment and Lance is with Thea. And, like, that was it. Like, no tears, just Roy Harper is dead. I was like, wow, that was a really cold way to deal with that, like, character exit. And then he comes out at the end. And I was just, I was shouting. I was so excited. I was like, damn, well played Arrow writers. Well played. I was in the exact same state as you, Lauren. So, like, I was prepared for Roy to die. So, you know, he gets stabbed, and I'm like, "Uh, I mean, I knew it was coming, but it still (laughs) sucks. And then he comes back after poor Oliver is, like, sitting there with his broken arrow (laughs) on the ground, and he's, like, holding it. And, of course, he looks like he's about to cry, and Oliver Queen does not cry. And so (laughs) I'm sitting there going, there's no way... I'm like, how could they how could they do that? And then he Felicity walks in and she's like, I hope you can forgive us. And I'm like, no, they didn't. They did they did. <laughs> and then Roy walks out. But then, you know, we think we're safe. We think that there's nothing more that the arrow writers can do to emotionally yeah. traumatize us. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> And and then, then we get happened. and then we get the mind blowing scene because that was my reaction too. I was just like, wow, mind blown. And and then and then Roz pays a visit to Thea, and 
All I gotta say is the arrows have saved the best stuff for right now because yes. it's it's just before I get to the the Roz and, and Thea part, this was such a strong episode and it was they they did such a good job of building it up in the beginning, um, having a lot of different stories going on that all connected to each other, and then they drop one bomb on us that we think is a bomb with Roy dying and then coming back and, and faking his death, and then we have Roz and Thea. And we have the showdown that we were kind of expecting, uh, but not for it to go. And I, I don't, well, I don't know. I didn't think it would happen this way. And, and I'll just let, uh, Matt, I'll let you take this one. Um, t- talk about this scene. I just, damn. <laughs> <laughs> like, because uh, uh, just kind of going off what Amy and Lauren was saying, I was just like, I'm gonna kill Ray or uh, Roy. He's so awesome! And like, I was like, oh, okay. So they saved him. He might be on the spinoff show. He's going off. He's gonna do his own thing. Be a superhero somewhere else. He's still badass. He took out eight guys in prison. You know what a cool way to send off a character. Whatever. You know, story's wrapped up. You know, Oliver's in the clear. Whatever. Cool. Oh, uh, okay. Roswell goes there. He's probably gonna kidnap the. Oh my God! He stabbed her. <laughs> And, oh my god, she's so dead. And then, and of I'm course, like, there's the preview for next week, and you're like, wait, she's not dead? Ugh. I yeah, haven't watched I was the just preview like, yet. They I didn't did watch it twice. Oh. They did it twice. Spoiler alert, she's not dead yet. Um, it was Entirely. It was nuts. She's only and mostly dead. She's like 90% dead. <laughs> um, so that sets up a really cool part of the show that we all kind of thought was coming was the mm-hmm. Lazarus Pit. So um, I'm not only excited for <laughs> for the stabbing, <laughs> what it leads to, but uh, just that whole sequence. I was like, is he going to kill her? Is he going to kidnap her? I was so ready for him to just like grab her and go. And like, you know, now um, Malcolm and Oliver have to team up and go get her or whatever. And I'm just like, OK, that's how they're going to set up the rest of the season. And then like, you know, with the preview, it's like, OK, they have to bring her to the waters of life or whatever they mentioned in the in the uh, preview, but um, that scene alone, and I think uh, Lauren said it earlier off mic, said that's exactly how her mom died. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that is exactly how she died. So, um, oh. yeah, that scene was I think, ridiculous. I think I, it might have been on here, on this podcast, or it might have been with you, Lauren, or it might have been with my friend Jen, but we had at some point determined this was our main prediction that the way that they were going to be able to get Oliver Queen to become Rachel Ghoul was to force him to have to use the Lazarus Pit, and only Rachel Ghoul can use the Lazarus Pit, and so it would be a trade-off. And I had predicted that it would be Roy because of what we had suspected with Colton Haynes leaving and Stephen Amell's tweet and all that stuff. So I had predicted that they were going to do Roy, put him through the Lazarus Pit, and when he comes out, he was going to be the evil arsenal that we've seen in the comic books. But... Um, I don't I don't know. We know that the Lazarus Pit changes a person's soul. And so I I'm not sure what Thea is gonna be when she comes out, if she chooses to come out, because it sounds like from the promo that's gonna be a decision she's gonna need to make is whether she actually wants to go through with this knowing what it can do to her. And so I'm I'm curious if you guys know, is there any comic connection to Thea Queen? becoming an evil person or becoming a darker character no i I don't think with thea queen but 
it is true in the Lazarus pit that the longer you are in it, the crazier it makes you. Hmm. So like you, like you go through a temporary state of like psychosis when you come out of the Lazarus pit and it's not, it's not permanent though. It's temporary. Um, if anyone listening wants to know more about the Lazarus pit, you guys can check out emergency awesomes arrow YouTube videos. He goes into detail a lot about like what the Lazarus pit does to somebody, but it's possible that when they put her in there, they can make her turn into anybody they want when she comes out. Like the writers can just pick a character and make her into that character. Um, Lauren, I know you haven't seen the promo, but the rest of you guys, did you notice in that promo a certain blonde-haired, leather-clad gal who was making a return appearance? Was that Laurel or was that Sarah? For a second, I thought it was Sarah. Me too. Uh, it 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 very much looked like just the way she walked, the way she, the way her, she stood. Her, yeah, the way she stood and her. Outfit. I just yeah, and I got a very strong uh, Sarah Lance um, vibe. vibe. Yeah. Which uh, now I need to go back and watch that because it's it's there for a split second, and I'm pretty it sure it's her because her outfit's different than mm-hmm. Laurel's, mm-hmm. and so this one doesn't have the high neck jacket that Laurel has. <laughs> can Sarah Lance please still be alive? Can that be a thing? Can and they have rescued her and Nissa took her back and Sarah Lance is still alive and that could be like the oh my gosh moment on top of all the other oh my gosh <laughs> moments that have been going on. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm losing well, it a little bit. They they kept teasing the the, the Lazarus pins. Obviously, we're going to see it next episode. And so when I saw who I thought was Sarah Lance, I felt like there's some connection there. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if there is a connection, uh, next, in next week's episode, um, with, with that somehow. I mean, we obviously know she's going to come back in some form with the spinoff. Maybe this is, maybe this is the launching pad, uh, of, of her character, whoever she becomes, comes back as, uh, whether it's like some sort of evil black canary or, or just a completely different person. Um, but yeah, that promo really, really teased us as to what's going to happen ne- on next week's episode. Um, Holy well, crap, I, mean, I just watched it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It's pretty nuts. So that a whole a- trailer is Lazarus Pit. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what, and, but you see, you see the Starlands thing that, like, that's flipping, that's oh, tripping yeah. me out a little bit. That's Sarah. But that's see, totally Sarah. I, I paused yeah. it. Yeah, and that's what I like, uh, Pete, when you're mentioning the spinoff, because I think a lot of people are really sad to see Colton Haynes go. And I don't think Colton wants to leave either. I think he's enjoying himself. I would if I were him. So I would not be at all surprised if Roy somehow ends up in that spinoff Um where we're going. I, I still don't know. And I, you know, I don't know if it's in an alternate universe, different timeline. I don't know. But it would be I would I would be very game to see Colton Haynes join that spinoff. And I would probably flip out more than just a little bit if that announcement came out (laughs) because he is officially, he's officially done with arrow. I mean, he may be having more Mm -hmm. parts in season season three, but I just looked up online and his contract did end. It was, it was a series regular for season two and series season three. Now series regular is relative. Katie Lotz who played Sarah Lance was never considered a series regular. She was only a recurring guest star, but look how important she was in season two. So, and how prevalent she was. So just because he's not a regular doesn't mean that he can't make consistent appearances 
through season four. But even so, I don't. It doesn't sound like they're planning on that. But at least he's not dead. That's all that matters. He's yeah, they said that the really cool thing is now that Colton can guest star on any of the shows. So he can guest star on The Flash, he can guest star on Arrow, and he can guest star on the spinoff. And That's, that would be a really says, neat thing to have because, like, he can just go, he can pop over on the flash and be like, you know, I, I, I'm actually dead. Can you guys help me out get a new identity? Can I hang out in Central City for a few episodes or, sorry, for a few days or whatever? And then, you know, that can help also have a familiar um, face for the spinoff show, you know, like another familiar face. So I think his, mm-hmm. his character isn't, isn't gone, that's for sure. Well, I'm looking at uh, an interview they did with Mark Guggenheim about Colton Haynes leaving and he's and Guggenheim says the hope is that he'll continue to be a part of the universe we're building we love working with Colton so much we've talked to him about returning to one of the three shows and if available he has expressed interest he is gone but definitely not forever so one of three shows being Arrow the Flash or the spinoff I mean is it possible that we could see him in Supergirl you know when we talked to When we talked to uh, Kreisberg at Paley Fest, or the people next to me had asked him about whether they're going to be connected. And basically, Kreisberg's like, well, the problem is Supergirl, CBS, we're CW. That's basically what he said. He's like, we'd love to see a team up, but right now it's kind of the Gotham issue. It's on a different network. There's not a whole lot we can do about that. But aren't CBS and CW under the same umbrella? I thought they were. I thought they were. So CW is Warner Brothers and CBS parts that came together to create CW, a separate network. But CBS is its own. Um, They do like the Big Bang Theory, things like that. Okay. So it's a little bit. I thought they were connected. I thought they were connected somehow. Well, they are connected as in there was a point in time when CBS and Warner Brothers merged and created the CW. But there is a separate entity entirely for CBS. Hashtag previously connected. <laughs> Damn it, guys. You beat me to it. All right. Well, I'm going to lay back down now. See you guys later. I have a question for you guys. You know, we've been talking about the Lazarus pit and who we thought would go in it. Did you ever think it would be Thea? I did um, not. No. I thought she was going to fade into obscurity. And that's I, it. I, I didn't, no, I didn't think it would be her. No. I, had- I would predicted mainly it was going to be Roy. That was my go-to theory. But of the rest of them, Thea was my second bet. Just because it made sense to be the only one who who they could risk killing even for one week and not lose every single one of their fans. Cuz like if they had if it had been Felicity or Diggle, even with the fact that they knew there was going to be a Lazarus pit, they would have had a full-on uprising on their hands. I think it felt to me like Thea was the only realistic option for them. But again, I was so convinced it was going to be Roy that I didn't even really go forward with that option. What about you, Lauren? Why do you ask? Oh, because I never in a million years thought it would be Thea. Because, like, I think if you're going to use a Lazarus pit, you would use it on, like, a main character. Like Oliver, Diggle, Felicity. Really? Sarah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It. Not that it seems like it's a waste, because I really like Thea, but it seems like the Lazarus Pit has been, there's been so much clout around it that they would use it on a main character. So I didn't even ever think it would be Thea. It would take, uh, like, a main character to, like, have them, to draw them to, like, that Yes. Uh, other side of, of the, yeah, I know what she's saying. 
Lauren, was it you and I talking? Um, I don't remember where, but had you and I considered the option that it could have been that they had, you know, critically injured Felicity and to put her in the Lazarus pit. That sounds and, familiar. Yeah. But only for the smallest amount of time to save her life, but not to save her ability to walk. Like I liked the idea of them. Oh, because of Oracle. Yeah. Of yeah. creating Oracle by essentially like, so if they, if they had shot her, if they had stabbed her or, you know, it would have been great if they had just taken a knife. This sounds terrible. If they just taken a knife and put it at the point in her, um, in her yeah, vertebrae. I don't, I don't think she's going to be Oracle. I don't think they're going to go that route. I feel like I don't know why they did that though, and why they announced that at the beginning of the season, and then changed the episode title. I mean, I get things change in the writers' room, but that has to still be in the back of their mind, though, right? Probably, but you guys know who Oracle is, right, Pete and Matt? Yeah, yeah, I know who Oracle is. Yeah. <clears throat> so, wow, that was good Arrow talk. <laughs> that was so good. I'm glad A lot we of got burning questions. <laughs> I am still in an emotional raw state. So for people who are listening and wondering why Amy is a little bit over the top right now, it's because my my schedule has been so crazy busy that I literally just finished the episode right before we started recording. And I should not be allowed to podcast in an emotionally raw state. <laughs> so I'm still going, ah, what is going on? <laughs> so jumping from one side of the spectrum to the other, The Flash was back this week as well. Um, and it was very, very cool. Uh, Casey. Yeah. Hey. (laughs) So have you guys ever noticed that when you like look at Alaska sideways, it looks like a pterodactyl? (laughs) (laughs) It totally does. Does it look like a redactyl? (laughs) Uh, No one remembers that. No one was listening to us when I made that. (laughs) I'm sorry. What were you doing that you were looking at Alaska? Um, (laughs) I, I don't know, just just looking at my normal globe like I always do. I, you guys not not have globe time? All right. That's cool. <laughs> All right. So now I'm Googling Alaska. And, uh... <laughs> Look at the sideways. It looks like a pterodactyl. Anyway, so The Flash. Are uh, you taking was... a cruise? Can we all just go on this cruise? Is that what's going on here? We're having a nerd <laughs> cruise to Alaska. That would be fun. <laughs> Podcasting live from June. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, all right. So, Casey, get us started. What did you think of the opening sequence that I thought was pretty funny? Oh, man. It was uh, it was pretty great. Uh, remind me what happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it was Flash. Casey, fired. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a Flash, Eddie, and Joe team up in the beginning. They were catching robbers. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like how Eddie is having to deal with this. With this new hotshot on the team, he's uh, he's like still getting adjusted to just having the bad guys delivered to him, and now he knows that that Barry's the Flash, and Barry's interfering with everything. Well, with just his his relationship, but that <laughs> that's really always been going on. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, this uh, dynamic trio is uh, is turning out to be pretty pretty cool. I like it. I think uh, uh, I think it'll keep going. So. You know, to stay on the whole Eddie thing, you know, he's he's got a deal now with with uh, Barry's secret, and it's not uh, something that he's having a hard time. It's something he's having a hard time keeping in, uh, and he's not good at lying. And Iris catches that right away. Uh, Matt, what did you think of uh, Iris just totally mad at Eddie for not telling him, telling her everything <laughs> uh, about everything? 
Well, um, you were there sitting next to me seeing my reaction to the dinner sequence. Yeah. Um, I thought um, Iris, I mean, obviously, like, she doesn't know what's going on. Audience knows what's going on. So it's easier for us to kind of like be like, oh, my God, Iris, stop complaining, you know. But um, I feel kind of bad for her because, yeah, Eddie's the worst liar on the planet. So when he's making up all these really dumb stuff. Um, you have to assume the worst, and you said, oh, he's cheating on me. But uh, that whole awkward sequence during the dinner was just like, Iris, just, you're ruining a perfectly good night. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but yeah, just, uh, I, I was ready for, for uh, just kind of seeing on the subject of Eddie, I thought that was going to be one of the main plot lines, was Eddie, like, getting kind of jealous that him, that Barry and Joe are more of like a, a duo rather than, you know, uh, partners rather than Joe and Eddie. Well, they still are, but you know, they're, they're, he's like a third wheel. He feels like a third wheel now. That's kind of what I got from the opening sequence. But, yeah, Eddie's, um, yeah, Eddie's character has kind of morphed from being like kind of a, a jock, a jock kind of hothead guy into like now just the the face of jealousy on the show. Yeah, yeah, I see that. And um, it, I was ready for him to punch him in the face again, yeah. but in the in the proper <laughs> timeline. <laughs> so. Uh, I thought um, I really just like I, I really dislike Iris this week just because she kind of was just like like all the negativity. But and I really enjoyed Eddie's character because he's just he's like watching Joe like give a little fist bump to Barry and he's just like, oh, you two, you know, what what are we going to do with you two? So um, I, I want that fist bump. We're I want so that fist bump. It's super jelly, bro. <laughs> so, um. You know, they had the whole dinner sequence, and there were a couple guests there that came over from Starling City. That's um, right. L- Lauren, what did you think of uh, Ray's uh, introduction and uh, the nice little uh, reference to Superman? I love Ray Palmer so much. And Matt, I think you Word. said this earlier when we were talking about Arrow, that Ray fits on the Flash so much better. So in much terms better. Of, in terms of tone and... Just in everything. And so, like, for me, I absolutely loved all the one-liners. Like, the, it's a bird, it's a plane. Yeah. Hi, it's I'm Ray. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's I used to be Superman. Yeah. <laughs> it's the artist formerly known as Superman. Super- <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's the name of this show, like, right now. The Hashtag. hero formerly known as Superman. <laughs> Hashtag previously connected. Oh, nice. Um, I loved all the Million Dollar Man references. We have the technology. technology. We can rebuild him. (laughs) Uh, I love Cisco and Ray's relationship. They're like the the Bruce Banner, Iron Man, science bros, like bromance of the DC universe right now. Oh, my God. Um, Best comparison ever. (laughs) I love that. So, yeah, I really like and Felicity, she's perfect for Barry. She knows what it's like to deal with cranky superheroes like she's really good at it. And so it's really good for her to talk Barry through being honest and like talking about his feelings. And um, she's just great. And Ray's great. I love seeing them on The Flash this week. Yeah, the um, I thought one of the funny things, you know, because they come at a very, very tough time for Barry. And I loved when they're sitting at Jitters and, uh, and you know, Barry's going through all this stuff. And, and I think Eddie had walked in and he's like, oh, everyone knows except Iris. This is great. And, and you know, I love Felicity's reaction to everything. She was like, I thought this was the fun one. And I, I thought that was a great line. Um, 
uh, and I totally lost my train of thought. Uh, so, well, a, a, while, uh, a, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, while you're getting back the train, um, Lorna and I had a really solid discussion on the Flash podcast about um, the secrets that have been, you know, kept around Iris and Iris's reaction. And so I'm, I'm curious what you guys thought about her decision to give Eddie that ultimatum. The decision where she says, I expect you to tell me all your secrets. And if you don't, we can't be in a relationship. Uh, Super did not like that. If I could just, yeah, if I could just jump in. I think as a journalist who works on her own stuff, uh, it was a bad ultimatum. Because she doesn't tell him about anything. <laughs> well, exactly. She has never told, to my knowledge, she has never told Eddie, oh, by the way. The Flash and I have secret rooftop picnics. Like yes. she does, she hasn't, she hasn't divulged that information, and she's expecting complete transparency from Eddie when she is not being entirely honest with him. And I feel like that's totally unfair. No, it it, it really is unfair. Um, I mean, no, I agree with Casey and Matt. It's just it was a bad move. Um, and, and the thing too is, as I feel like we've we've watched uh, Eddie's character grow in this in this season, and and. He's gone from somebody I think we all were kind of skeptical about because, you know, you had the, at first you had the Barry and Iris thing and then Barry stepped aside and and then Eddie was like really the nice guy. And and he's put in a position where, you know, he he wants to tell Iris so badly, but he can't. And it's all about her safety. And and, you know, that's just that's just kind of the thing in, in all comic book, you know, stories, movies, TV shows where they have to hold back to to save the ones they love. And that's just always going to be there. Um, but it could ultimately, for Eddie, you know, it could be ultimately the thing that pushes him over the edge, uh, you know, because we know his connection to, to Harrison Wells. Um, and, and so it, it could be something that, that, like I said, pushes him over the edge. Um, and again, I lost my train of thought, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> too much um, coffee for Pete this morning. <laughs> way too much, way too much coffee. Shout out to Phil's coffee, way too much. Um, <laughs> Oh my gosh! Somebody pick it up. I am completely time travel. Time travel. Uh, yes. Oh, oh, Cisco. 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 Let's talk about Cisco. Yes, let's talk about Cisco and these the flashbacks he's having are not or, or um he's having these visions and and they're the visions that we saw in the alternate timeline, which was crazy. Um, it's all starting to kind of come to him now and 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 then we see uh you know when at the end when you know I'm jumping ahead but when they when Barry comes to Caitlin and, and Cisco and you know says. You know, we need to really evaluate things with with Harrison Wells. Um, Lauren, what did you think of uh, how Cisco's dealing with these new visions that he's he's getting of uh, of something that that he thinks that is just a dream that uh, has happened, but in actuality or alternate timeline, uh, it did happen. Yeah, that was really gnarly, and I'm really glad that he's having those visions because he needs to know that Harrison Wells is not a safe person, and hopefully, him seeing that will help him avoid that that you know being killed in the future. Um, I mean, it was sad to see him hide those visions the couple times when, like, Caitlin would ask him, you know, are you okay? And he would just say, oh, I kind of had a bad dream. So I'm really glad that at the end, like, he's going to talk about it. And it must be terrifying and so scary to even think that your mentor could ever harm you, let alone murder you and stop your heart. 
And so, like, it was crazy that Cisco almost died twice in this episode and that Barry had to restart his heart with his electricity because it was, like, the complete opposite of what Wells did because he killed him with his electricity in the other timeline. So, hmm. it's, like, the parallels that the writers are weaving in with just everything with what happened in the other timeline and what's happening now is really interesting. And I think at some point, those two timelines are going to converge on each other. Uh, there's also uh, there's also a strange thing happening with Cisco right now where he is experiencing that death that Lauren had just mentioned uh, from a different timeline, right? Do I have that right? He's experiencing the memories of his former self from a different timeline. Yeah, and it's weird because because Twelve Monkeys kind of did the same thing, didn't they? Uh, 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 or not? Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know. So <laughs> that silence kind of spoke volumes. <laughs> Have you guys seen Fringe? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So here's kind of I'm gonna I'm gonna massively. You need like, to put summarize. this in like a tiny little soundbite. <laughs> I'm gonna put this in a tiny little soundbite. So if you want to hear the extended theory, you can hear it on the Flash <laughs> podcast because I'm pretty sure it's actually a full 15 minutes of me talking and Andy going uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> but basically in. In Fringe, there exist two alternate universes existing in the same space in space-time. Neither one of them can exist together, so only one of them can survive. So my theory is we've got two timelines existing in the same space of space-time. Obviously, one of them is gone, but when Barry went back in time, he created fractures in that space-time continuum that are allowing moments of that timeline to bleed over to this timeline and in fringe there's something called deja vu where a person in one universe can experience a memory that a person in another universe is having so it's the same their alternate in the other universe has already experienced whatever this person is seeing right now and that's why they're perceiving it as deja vu so like when we walk into a room and meet somebody we've never met before we're like whoa uh, deja vu, I feel like I've already met you. The theory is that your alternate in the other universe already has met that person. So in a similar way, I think Cisco is actually viewing the memories of his alternate timeline self and that as he's getting closer and closer, because he keeps, if you think about it, there keep getting points where Cisco is getting close to dying. There was one in the, you know, the episode with with Captain Cold and then again in this episode. And so it's like the universe is trying to correct itself. The timeline, as Dr. Wells said, is trying to go towards that same ending where Cisco dies. And so the closer and closer he gets to actually dying, the more of those memories he is going to be receiving from the other timeline. And I think that as... And so people were like, well, why isn't Caitlin getting any memories? Why isn't Dr. Wells or Barry having any memories or Iris? And I think as they get closer and closer to those critical moments that happened in the other timeline, Dr. Wells being revealed, Caitlin starting to put the pieces together, Iris and Barry getting together, as they get closer and closer to those moments and to the universe correcting itself and getting back on track, they're going to start to see those memories. Does that make sense? Uh huh. It sure does. Uh huh. No, no, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, it does. Uh, no sarcasm. Sorry. Hashtag no sarcasm. Um, so that's kind of my that, theory. Um, that does sound. That does sound right. I. Uh, I, I think I that's probably something. 
that's probably how they're going to rationalize it. Because, I mean, I'm sure they'll go into it in a, in a future episode. But, but, yeah, I was just looking for some kind of explanation on that. So Watch okay. Fringe and then watch <laughs> The Flash and be like, oh, okay, that sort of makes sense. But then, you know, there's the question of, of in, in Fringe, they were able to find a way to allow both universes to exist simultaneously in the same space and time in the space time continuum and everyone died no and they all survived spoiler alert um but i wonder if they'll be able to find a way to do that you tell the spoiler and then you say spoiler alert it's like a late alert steven amell's fault he did that at nerd hq he was like and when moira died spoiler alert (laughs) i was like you're funny but I wonder if they'll be able to find a way to separate the timelines, essentially, um, because maybe not these two timelines that we're that we're seeing right now, but maybe they'll be able to separate the timeline between what we're seeing right now and the time that Eobard Dawn came from. So that would be interesting. Very, very interesting. So, yeah, you know, the the one that we haven't talked about yet um, is the uh, is the bad guy, the villain this week, uh, the bug eyed bandit. Played by uh, Miss Emily Keeney from The Walking hey. Dead, uh, which was really Beth cool. Lives. Yeah, Beth lives, and we get to see her and Felicity in the hack off of the century, and uh, and I loved it because uh, well, Felicity, her nemesis. she she kind of liked uh, having a nemesis, and th- that was really funny to watch. Um, Casey, what did you think of uh, how the, the back and forth and how they were just like <laughs> it just became like a little a techno war. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, I, I just think that, that this week's episode was brought to you by the sound of, or like, uh, oh, shit, hold on. It's not that sound, it's this sound, it's that, it's this right here, that's all. <laughs> the sound of texting. No, why? Just why? like, oh, wait, no, she's got me, tippity-tappity-tippity-tap, oh, wait, no, now I've got her, oh, that that's did. not nice, uh, tippity-tippity-tappity-tappity. I was like, TV show hack-offs. <laughs> it's funny because you can see like that um Emily Bet Rickards has more experience pretending to hack <laughs> because like um uh, I forgot her name already. Bug eyed bandit old Beth yeah uh bug eyed bandit. She was like pressing like four keys like to hack. I was like, no, push more buttons. What are you doing? <laughs> Make it more convincing. Amateur, Amateur over here only I know I I don't know. Maybe she macroed everything to certain buttons, but uh, <laughs> that's just getting into way more meta stuff. But that's a good um, one. That's a good I, one. I really, really um, like this week's villain. I thought it was so cool um, that they had like little micro bots. Because like when I was like, oh, everyone got stung by bees. I'm like, oh no, someone's controlling them. That's got to be the coolest thing in the world. So uh, good thing um, I was right on that one. So yay. Uh, I thought it was interesting how they they had the hack off though. And um, yeah, kudos to uh, Felicity for saying uh, she's my nemesis. Never had a nemesis before, and she's still like nervous while still like you know battling off with her, but she's still like self-referential. I think it's pretty funny. Yeah, that was, uh, and then she topped it off nicely after winning the battle by dropping her imaginary mic. Uh, oh yeah, God, literally I forget that. It was so saying, good. drop the mic and standing up. That was just if you, if you rewatch that scene, you can see. Um, Harrison Wells just looking at her and and trying not to laugh loudly. Uh, He was just trying. He was just smiling, and and you could tell he wanted to bust up laughing. I'm sure they did after they cut that scene because that was just 
that was uh, that was hilarious. But um, but yeah. Uh, any, uh, anyone else? One of you guys tweet out like to Andy something about like uh. Yeah, that, that was that, me. That, that, Hashtag yeah, was mic drop. Mic drop with uh, Adam Scott from uh, yeah. Parks and Recreation. Yeah. <laughs> it all makes sense now when I watched it. It's so good. <laughs> um, I think we should make a new GIF that's just her standing there saying mic drop. And that should be our new, like, the Flash Arrow inside joke that no one will get unless they've watched the Flash or Arrow or know who Felicity is. And that's the new mic drop thing. It's just her saying mic drop. <laughs> oh, we should told you that. Please, internet, make that happen. Um, so yeah, so I. Anybody else want to anything? Any anything else about the Flash that they that they really love? Oh, I do want to say this: when Cisco and Ray named Bug Eye Bandit, I love how they said it at the exact same time yes. and looked at each other and were like, "I got you, bro." That was just hilarious. Uh, and that played th- off in like even an Arrow because you know when they bring yes. um, the other guy, it's like you're really good at these. <laughs> good at naming things except when he said uh his name was the adam and he was like are you married to that you oh, know? Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one that was good oh, what were you gonna say amy um actually this that this you know he said you, you said married to the adam and i thought about the name adam and then i thought about the fact where he's like i am the adam but that's actually this and then Oliver was like, well, no, y- y- you have to decide if the suit or it's you. You know, that whole thing that happened in Arrow. Mm-hmm. And I just realized the connection between Oliver Queen telling Ray Palmer that he needed to decide whether he was the Atom or whether it was the suit. And Oliver Queen having to decide whether he is the Arrow or is it just the hood. And I just mm-hmm. made that connection. And that's brilliant. What a parallel. Wow. I love these writers. They're doing. I feel like the they first half of the so season well. we've talked about this. Yeah, they know what they're doing. These, these, they're they're just phenomenal. But I feel like the first half of Arrow this season was kind of ugh, meh for me. Mm-hmm. But the past couple episodes have just upped the ante so much, and it's back to the Arrow I know and love. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, these these shows are really uh, you know just bringing it this last month of the the series the the towards the end of the season or as we get to the season finales so it's going to be a lot of fun to see this all unravel especially next week when um we kind of learn a little bit more about the real Harrison Wells so that's going to be very very interesting uh to see <clears throat> um all right so uh hope you enjoyed our arrow talk uh, and flash talk you know we can we can just get off on tangents about those shows cuz we love them so much um to, uh, you know, we've talked about a lot of drama, a, a lot of intense uh, stuff going on shows. So we're going to scale it back a little bit uh, with people the premiere. People dying. <laughs> yeah, people dying. We're going to scale it back a little bit with the season premiere of Silicon Valley this week. And it Ooh. did not disappoint. It was, uh, it was hilarious as usual. Uh, this, these guys just never fail to make me laugh. And the writing is so smart on this show. Definitely one of the funniest shows on television. If you're not watching it, you really need to check it out. Um, it's definitely a must. Uh, Casey, what did you think of uh, the season premiere? You know, now, now, now that they've won, uh, the guys have won TechCrunch. Uh, they're they're it right now. They're the um, hot ticket, and and you see that with the owner of Hooli who loses his shit because his company can't, can't get themselves together to compete with Pied Piper. What did you think of that? Oh man, I uh, I'm always I mean I, th- this season was really hyped up, and I'm always amazed at how this show is able to live up to its own hype, um, especially with the lack of techno babble that it uses. Like uh, 
like the thing that makes Pied Piper cool is their compression rate, and uh, that's actually a real thing, like in real life, that that would be awesome. And and in this episode, we see them talking about what did, what did they call it, data ocalypse, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, data ocalypse. There's been a lot of them lately. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> again, a, a real thing in real life that uh, will have to be dealt with, and uh, and they keep bringing these real life issues in there and making Pied Piper an actually cool company they they the writers of that show are really phenomenal i think this first episode is definitely telling about how good season two is going to be um you know what i thought was hilarious was uh when they were going into you know because it opens with them basically there's a, a company that holds this huge thing for them at at&t park and and you know has a, you know that has um basically they were like oh we know you're gonna go with this company but you know, think about considering our offer. And, and I thought it was hilarious how they go into the same, uh, you know, or, you know, I'm skipping over a huge plot point, but basically the, uh, the actor, I can't remember his name, but the actor who played the character who buys their, their uh, product dies. Uh, he died in real life. So they had yeah. to work around that somehow. And I thought they did a really good job of that. And it was actually kind of funny the way they made it sound like he died. Um, uh, it, it was, it was very tasteful. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't, they handled it the correct way, I thought. Yeah. Peter um, Gregory is dead, guys. Yeah, Peter Gregory is dead. He's dead. Um, but when when this this news hits about that, it, it it's it's almost like the the companies that at one time wanted to buy the product suddenly were like, nah, we don't want you anymore. And and it pisses them off so much that um oh god, why am I forgetting the main character's name? Um <laughs> I am DBing right now. It's <laughs> It's Ehrlich, right? Yeah. No, no, no. That's Ehrlich is the is the um, the character who who he's. Um, oh my god, <laughs> this is terrible. Ehrlich is the Richard. Funniest. It's Richard. Thank you. Ehrlich is is like yeah. the guy who um, he wants to be like the main guy, the main man. He's the, he's the Steve Jobs to uh, to Richard's Wozniak. That that's basically the way to say it. Um, but uh, no, Richard like gets so heated about not getting the respect that they thought they were once getting. And he just totally goes in on into yeah. the boardroom and just lets them have it. And, and from that, uh, they learned that it's, it's better to do something like that. Whereas he did it out of an impulse. It turns into a strategy to get them more money, uh, from these other companies. And it works. Like they show every scene where Ehrlich and him are trying to, well, actually mainly Ehrlich is trying to, uh, just completely piss them off. And it works. They get more offers, better offers. And although I did think that the awkward moment came at the end when Richard was trying to uh, piss, piss him off and, and just looked ridiculous in the process. Matt, what did you think of that? Because I, I, I know how much you love awkward moments. <laughs> it, uh, it was almost unbearable to watch. I was watching it on <laughs> HBO Go and I was just like, "Can I? should I skip forward? I'm like, no, I owe it to this show. It's a season for me. I'm not going to skip forward. I'm going to just be a man and watch it. It was so awkward. <laughs> because <laughs> he's just completely failing like if you ever been to like an open mic night for uh <laughs> and like you just see someone trying stand up for like the first time and just completely bombing and just it was just like that i was like oh my god all this stuff he's saying and he's trying so hard that's what it was so it didn't come out as natural mm. but uh yeah it was one of like the funniest awkward scenes i had to like sit through um so uh <laughs> What did you guys think of uh, 
the episode overall. Matt, what did you think of the season premiere now that it's back? Um, we got a full 10-episode ten, ten, uh, ten slate. Um, yes. What, what, did you, uh, what was your impression of the season premiere? I think it, uh, it kind of like what Casey was saying where, uh, about Game of Thrones where they had to kill off a few people to kind of get people reacclimated. <laughs> Um, in this show, they totally threw out the sex joke, like immediately, like negging, you know, like that's, and then what's his name to, to just like, like completely just give a full definition of it. It was so funny. They just like, yeah, it's like totally a sexual thing. And, um, to completely roll with it is kind of like the, uh, right in the wheelhouse of where Silicon Valley is, you know, with the whole, uh, in out kind of situation from last season. And, uh, just overall, it just really set up. The rest of the show because you know they have um, what's her name's new boss and you know she's running the company that's still interested and um, I think also what they they also help show that Silicon Valley is still about showing a true representation of what it's like to have a startup in Silicon Valley to have a hot idea because um, they introduced the idea the real idea of people investing way too much and setting like a standard that's way too high for them to hit. So they're setting like realistic benchmarks, you know. Um, so I think that was uh, a really good way to start off the season. And uh, I really, really don't know where the next 10 episodes are going because, um, you know, all, all the characters are kind of in, in a riff. And now at the end, you know, uh, they're getting sued by uh, their competitors uh, for the idea. And, you know, I, I can only imagine how those guys are going to like react in a courtroom you know, so it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited. Um, Casey, what are your reactions of the show? Uh, I think that we have a really nice trajectory of uh, of where we're going to go from here. Uh, we now have uh, we now have Peter Gregory's company as the investor, right? As as the backer, and uh, mm -hmm. they really dodged a bullet with their uh, what you might call it their. Uh, I don't. I don't even. All right. So, so well, on the fucking show today, we have one guy who's undercaffeinated. We have one guy who's sick, and I guess Matt's fine. There's nothing wrong with Matt or Lauren or Amy. <laughs> nope, absolutely nothing wrong with me. But nope. Pete and I are just not holding it down today. Uh, no. I think that the show is gonna do great. I thought it was a funny episode. Uh, I like that they replaced Peter Gregory's character uh, with a different Peter Gregory. Uh, yeah. Same kind of character, different gender. I thought that was unique. Never seen that done before. I'm sure we'll see a lot more unique and awesome things come out of the show in this next season. Um, yeah, that's that's about it. That's about it. Okay, okay. Um, so yeah, the, we, we we really enjoyed uh, Silicon Valley. You'll definitely be hearing us break down uh, every episode. There's only ten of them, uh, so uh, be sure to check it out. You know, you can go back on HBO. Uh, on demand, HBO Go. Uh, first season, it's only eight episodes, and it's only HBO thirty minutes now. long. HBO Now. So yeah, go ahead and check it out. It's really good. So uh, now, uh, lastly, uh, I know you're probably you're, you're are you bored with us? Because uh, we're I know nope. we're crashing. They're not. They're not. <laughs> they're not bored. Okay, good. Okay, good. Because we're gonna get into the season finale of yes. of Twelve Monkeys. And so good. Woo, uh, man, uh, that. <laughs> that is. Uh, <laughs> Casey, Casey, I started cover your ears. I, I, so I started watching because we were gonna have the executive producer on today, we were. and um, I only got to episode seven, <laughs> and uh, that's I think halfway through the season. So I'm gonna go ahead and lay back down. I'm gonna put, 
Get my globe. Put my earmuffs on. Look at this is, just this stare is at Alaska. Podcasting while Casey naps. Day. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Casey's not feeling well. Oh Got yes. To see the tea going. So so we're like I said we're gonna end our TV talk on Twelve Monkeys. This is season finale and. What a season finale it was. I mean, this is, this is how season finale should go. Um, giving Really tying up a lot of things, but still leaving a lot of things unanswered. And, and, and opening the door for more questions. Um, Lauren, I'll start with you. Uh, this, this was just uh, a crazy episode and so many things going on. Um, let me just start off by... Let's, let's get started on the beginning. When we see Cole... Beating the crap out of Aaron. Uh, what did, what did you think as this show opened? Um, that's a good question. I watched it last week, so I don't necessarily remember like the play by play. I just remember kind of the overall. Well, it, it didn't really open with the Aaron scene. It opened with like a callback to the to the pilot, right? Oh, that's right. Yes, right. Thank yeah. You. Yeah, and uh, it has Cole doing the voiceover of like, "Where are you right now?" Laying down next to the one you love, and and kind of going through that whole speech again. I thought that was really really cool. Do you remember that, yeah. Lauren? Yeah. Yes. Um, if we're gonna talk about Aaron, I think Aaron kind of got what he deserved. Um, yeah, I think we talked about this a little bit. Just that Aaron, he had decided to give up on finding a cure and and stopping the apocalypse, and just deciding to protect himself and Cassandra. And I think that's a normal thing to do when you feel hopeless. You just kind of get really small in your thinking. But unfortunately, his actions led to the death of Cole's father. And so Cole has been living with that memory his entire life of watching his father die in front of his eyes. And now he's face to face with the man whose fault it is. So of course, he's going to kick the crap out of Aaron. Mm -hmm. Um, It was really sad to see Aaron die in he died in the fire right yeah yeah probably the yeah. most okay. horrible way you can really yeah that was that was awful like in a I don't, chemical fire <laughs> i don't think he made a good choice but i didn't want him to die yeah and i mean yeah I, I, well here's the thing when i thought when i saw that happen i thought well he's dead but i guess what the way the show is i guess it's it, and i don't know if he signed on for more seasons or or if that was it for him but I guess with the way they have time travel going on in 12 Monkeys, there's always a possibility that he's not dead because they can always go back in time. Something can happen and he can be alive. Um, so that's what I was kind of thinking about that. But for all intents and purposes, he's, he's dead. He's gone. Um, so following that, we had uh, Jennifer Goins uh, completely scaring the crap out of people at her keynote address. Uh, yeah. Matt, what did you think about that? Um, I thought she was just going to play it straight and just appeal to the company, but in like the background be like, he, 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 no, she's <laughs> totally like, we're going to do, we're going to undo all the wrongs that my dad did. And I was like, yeah, that's how you make a keynote. That's how you make a splash. That's so good. Um, I really like how Jennifer's character really developed throughout the whole season. Um, I thought she was going to be just, not just, but, uh, that she was going to be, only in that kind of like crazy kind of person with some kind of exposition. And now you kind of see her like not only have like those manic kind of uh, um, like tendencies, but have her like lead a company and like we're like that company can go anywhere. You know what I'm saying? With with her at the helm. So it's it's going to be like fun to see where she takes that because she's, you know, we see like one of the last scenes is uh, 
she's on the plane and she's like, well, got some work to do, you know? So I'm, I'm wondering, uh, and you know, she's obviously answered the phone call and he's like, um, they're headed over there now. So it's like, she's in cahoots obviously, but it's interesting to see kind of where she's going to go into the next season. Now she's going to play out. Yeah. So, um, okay, Lauren. So do, what did you think of Deacon leading this, uh, group? And okay, so let me just jump into this quickly. Are we? Is it now revealed that the that the group that Deacon was leading are the twelve babies that we see in twenty fifteen? Yes. Okay, yes. that's what. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Like, Mind I had that right. Yeah, blown. that was freaking nuts. When that reveal came out, I was like, "Oh crap!" Like, this just got real. Um, it just all came together so well. What did you think of that? Yeah, I was not expecting that. I thought it was really unique how they looked different. Their skin was kind of bluish. And the fact that they are willing to behead people for their cause means that whatever these people were intentionally like born to do, they have somehow gotten very far away from that trajectory. Um <laughs> Like, it's it's so interesting because when you watch the show, you can look at it through kind of like one dimension. The one dimension of trying to stop the plague from ever happening. But these writers, these amazing people that we're so excited to have on the show in the next coming weeks, Travis and Terry and just their whole team, they have added so many layers to... Mm-hmm. Well, if somebody is trying to jumpstart the apocalypse and reboot planet Earth, why would they do that? And if they're going to get rid of all the regular people, are would they even try to create these other kind of genetically altered people? And if they were going to do that, why are they going to do that? Why are these people better or more unique or more advanced? I mean, there's so many like philosophical and like spiritual questions that could be asked when someone is trying to pretty much eradicate the human race and we don't have answers to any of those questions yet which i'm guessing we'll get in season two so the fact that they created these babies and we know they grow up to be these kind of bluish people and the fact that jennifer is going along with it because she had the virus with her on the plane and that was a callback to the movie all the different cities that she's going to be visiting is the, where the plague first erupted. Like, mm-hmm. I have no idea what they're doing with it, but it's fascinating and it's really intriguing. Yeah, I, I think also, too, the one of the things I thought was really cool was they left Cole's story open um, because, you know, at the end, uh, the striking woman, as Matt corrected us, um, you know, she said that the Cole's, they don't even know Cole's future. They don't know what is ahead for him. And and I thought it was nice that he went back to get Ramsey to make sure he'd be safe because I, I like that they're kind of keeping that, you know, even though their their relationship, their friendship is is not what it used to be, there's something there still that kind of draws them together um, because Colt goes back to save them. I mean, they thought, the striking woman thought that Ramsey's story was done. That was it. I mean, I thought that was it for Ramsey. I thought he was done, which I kind of thought was going to suck because I really liked his character. Um, but I'm glad that they had Cole go back and, and save him or, or take him somewhere where obviously, you know, he's going to try and, and keep him alive. Um, what did you guys think, uh, Matt, what did you think of Cassie being splintered to 2043? I was not expecting that at all. I was uh. like, 
I was like, Cassie's gonna die here, but no, she has to die when the virus comes out. And I'm just like, how's that gonna play into it? Is that gonna change things? And then, you know, Ramsey's like, Ugh, fine. And he like slides it over. And I was like, no way, no fucking way. That's so cool. She's going to the future. So now it's like, Cole, like they they switch timeline or they switch, you know, like where they are in 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 the timeline. Like Cole's now stuck in the past. Now. Uh, <laughs> Cassie's in the future. I just, uh, I just want to know how that room in 2043 reacts to her, like just being in the chair, you know. Besides, like, uh, who are you? Um, it's gonna be interesting to see, like, how the the 12 people that are with them, um, uh, react to Cassie being uh, sent from the past. So it's it's uh, I I have no idea where they're going with that. I'm really really excited. Um, I I can I jump in? I loved it. I thought that was so cool that they chose to send Cassie yes. back. And when she does arrive in 2043, Jones has already met her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she recognizes her. Right? Like, and so Cassie? she's going to know, oh my god, that's Cassandra Rayleigh. How did you get here? Yeah. And so <laughs> one of the questions that I have for Travis and Terry when they come on the show is, is season two going to be told completely from Cassandra's perspective? It seems like that's where they're going because we just see, you know, Cole and Ramsey like stuck in the past. And it's like they, they said in that, oh, how the striking woman said how you mentioned Pete is it kind of like, uh, you know, his time or his story is, you know, whatever. But that would be so cool to have have the next season in through her eyes. That would be so creative. Uh, so I'm definitely expecting that now. Yeah, Damn, and it, it flips the switch on like, flips the switch on the idea that a main character in a show has to be like a man. Like mm-hmm. season one was very much Cole's story, but now they can flip it, and now they can tell Cassandra's stories about maybe her family and her past. And I think that's really cool. Like usually a, a, a show will just keep on track with one protagonist, whether it's a guy or a girl. But it's cool that like they get to flip it a little bit, and I like that. You know, you you have um, you've some you've stated some really good theories, Lauren. Uh, especially the one about Cole being the the uh, pa- patient zero. Um, that's probably the best one. And I, I'm wondering, do you have any theories as to how Cassandra's story could go in 2043? Huh, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, I like what you were saying about Ramsey being alive because I completely fell in love with his character this whole season. He's been one of my favorites Mm -hmm. and it was heartbreaking when he went back and when it seemed like he was going to be Cole's nemesis. But I loved when he he said to Cole, I'm not the witness. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh shit. (laughs) Like I wrote an article about him earlier, like a couple (laughs) weeks ago and I wrote, uh, Ramsey is the witness. (laughs) So I have to redact myself in one of my EW community articles. Um, that was, that was so great. That was, uh, it was so clever. Um, as for Cassandra, I mean, she's a biologist. She's a geneticist. So if she has to stay in the future for a while with Jones, maybe she can help Jones figure out who those people are. Um, oh, God. I did it again. I lost my train of thought. Um, I wanted to ask Matt a question. <laughs> Some, that's, oh, dang it. I, I had it. Just I lost it. it. If I could just jump in a little bit more then. <laughs> um, I would think that 
Cassie not only has to figure out what's up with those genetic babies or that are now adults, but um, she also needs, it'll be interesting to see like that fish out of water kind of story on the other side where she has to uh, adjust to surviving and, you know, we, we can kind of tell that she's, you know, she is kind of in crisis mode even in her own timeline or in, in her own part of the timeline in 2015. So it's going to be interesting to see how she kind of adjusts to being in the future. Um, it's going to be fun to see if the season two more follows uh, Jones and Cassie's relationship developing. I think that would be pretty cool because you kind of see hints of that when they meet the younger Jones. So um, And how they're trying to grab little baby Cole or young child Cole. So... Um, I'm looking forward to that relationship, uh, uh, Jones and, and uh, Cassie. That's, um, that's, that's true. I like that. Do you guys think, because in the episode when Cole goes to 2017 and Cassandra gives him the phone number and she dies, when she says so much has happened since then? Yeah. Oh, that's like, probably what she's talking about then, right? Like, how much time does she spend in, the, in future. the future? Like, if we come back to that moment, whether it's in season two, season three, season four, season five, if we come back to that moment where Cassie is dying, like, now knowing all that we know, it's going to be so heart-wrenching. I, I totally agree. And I, now I remember what I wanted to ask. So she walks into the lab... Um, Cassie, and has this kind of weird vision yeah. flashback thing going on. Matt, what did you think that was? I, I was going to ask you guys, what are your thoughts on that? Because <laughs> I, they didn't, okay, cause so she, like the striking woman has some kind of like hypnotic effect, right? And power of uh, persuasion, right? This in her voice. And she like, did they ever kind of resolve like what exactly that does? The whole, like, red forest, you're walking through red forest, blah, blah, blah. Because it didn't really seem like it affected her. Because when she walked into the room in uh, where um, Cole and Ramsey are, you know, having a Mexican standoff kind of situation, <laughs> she comes in and she looked, like, in a daze. And, like, I thought they were going to play off of that. But I thought, I'm thinking maybe it's an acting choice. But because I thought Cole would kind of, like, look into her eyes and be like, Cassie, there's something wrong with you. Or, like, are you feeling okay? Like, what happened? Or whatever. Because, like. Uh, she <clears throat> she kind of goes in that dream state, and I'm not really sure what that means. So, what are you guys' thoughts on that? I really have no idea. Well, the, sorry, I'll, you know, I'll learn. I'll let you take this one. Um, I think it's interesting that they they started out with that woman trying to brainwash Cassandra with a you're walking. What is it? You're walking through a red, a red forest. forest. Yeah. And she kept seeing that vision of the house, and then we started to see pieces of the red leaves mm -hmm. starting to mm -hmm. like manifest. And so now we know where those red leaves were coming from in 2015 when yeah. Jones, what is it, Jones's ex husband? Yeah. When he was sending like plants through, they would come back red. And then in the future, they were getting the red plants. So it, it's like. It's almost like a like a marker as to see when a time traveler has been somewhere. It's kind of like I don't know, like digital breadcrumbs, so to speak. And so the striker woman, striking woman, obviously she knows 
that this is happening. Like she understands the phenomena of the red leaves, which means so to me means her dad, whoever her dad is, is somebody really important. And he knows a lot more than what's going on because why would she have such an understanding of it? Mm-hmm. So I think for Cassandra, I think it just triggered that memory for her because she was like, Oh my God, the red leaves, like they're here. And it triggered that hypnosis. But I don't think the woman like brainwashed her in any way. I, th- I don't, I think that's why nothing happened when it, like when it, she remembered. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, yeah, this, this first season of 12 monkeys has just been just so good. So well done. So well written. Uh, hats off to the writers uh, and Terry and and Travis. Just an amazing job on this first season. I mean, it gets the way that it ended, the way it's set up for season two. It just gets us more excited to see how much more uh, they can go with this. And and you know, they let like I said, and when we started, they they tied up some loose ends, but then left us with a lot more questions. And and they did it in the right way. And and it's going to be really it's going to be really uh, interesting to see how they tackle, uh, you know, the reveal of the 12 monkeys, um, Cassie now in 2043, where Cole and Ramsey go, uh, in 2015. Um, you know, it's just, there's so much more story to tell and I'm excited to see how they handle it. Um, uh, just to, to end this talk, uh, Lauren, did you want to end anything, uh, with end, end this talk with anything more about this season of 12 monkeys? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting too now that Cassandra is in the future because she has met Jennifer Goines before. And so if she meets the daughters at some point in the future, she will know that that's Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Like Cole doesn't know that adult, that like older Jennifer is in his future. He hasn't met her. But That's at right. some point, yeah. Cassandra is going to meet her. And so hopefully when Cassandra goes back, she can tell Cole that something is very wrong with Jennifer and she's formed this whole like cult. And hopefully they can stop whatever Jennifer is about to do. Uh, Matt? Um, I I don't really know. There's There's a lot of like just open-ended questions really from – like uh from like where the season finale like leaves and like how you mentioned it was like Cole, like what what's his future, the possibility of following more Cassandra is is interesting. And um I think just if I can just speak on like the season as a whole, like I think like I guess well preview of what I might ask and when we finally get Terry on, um, would be like what was like so great about the whole show is it it really conquered time travel like as, as a narrative where <clears throat> like it, it seems complex when you kind of just listen to us without watching the show. But when you are enjoying the show, like start to finish, you don't really feel lost. Not only does it display like the date, but it um, the way that each episode is kind of like layered story wise, there's like maybe three different storylines going at the same time, but they all like play off of each other so well, and especially going into the next episode. So I guess what I can say about the season as a whole is not only is it a great first season, because I'm instantly hooked on on this universe that they're created, but also I'm also uh, really surprised at how well they're handling such a complicated subject matter. Well said, Matt. Well said. That was <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I mean, we're going to end this with a uh, great season, and we're looking forward to season two. 
Uh, and like we've been saying, we're going to get Terry and Travis on here uh, to talk more about it with us and uh, and and get their thoughts on um, where the show, uh, where they might see the show going. So uh, that was TV talk for this week. Hopefully, we, uh, we didn't bore you too much. And that was that was a lot of TV. That, um, that was such a such a great week in TV. <laughs> it was such a great week in TV, and a lot of fun, a lot of fun, and, and we love talking about it. So. Um, so yeah, we're gonna end the show like we always do, giving you our our picks for this week. Um, uh, Lauren, uh, what would you like to share with everyone this week? So a very good friend of mine is a massive comic book reader, and sometimes she gives me a hard time because I love the DC universe, I love the Marvel universe, but I'm not into comics. And so we always have this argument that like I would love to read comics, but I never know where to start. Like for me, comics are so overwhelming because there's so many iterations and versions of of all of these characters. Like if I wanted to read about Iron Man, I have no idea where I'm supposed to start. And so um like the comic book world is just very daunting for me. And so I don't read them because I don't want to, I don't read them because I feel very lost trying to navigate that world. Um, but Marvel is doing something really cool. So they have an unlimited comic book subscription series. I think it's called Marvel unlimited. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like a monthly subscription that you pay for kind of like a Netflix. And then you can read digital comics. I don't know if all the comics are included. I'm not exactly sure how it works, but because star Wars weekend, star Wars celebration is going on this weekend. Marvel unlimited is doing one month free um, access to like their comics database if you sign up for Marvel Unlimited. So oh my God, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So that's my recommendation for this week. I'm going to do it myself. So like you, if you want to subscribe to Marvel Unlimited, you probably just go online and like create an account and like put in your credit card information. But you could cancel it at the end of the month. And the promo code is just one word, no spaces, Star Wars. And it gives you access to all of the Marvel comics. So I'm going to do it. Start to get my, uh, my foot in the comic world. I'm not sure where to start yet, but maybe I'll start with daredevil or something that's kind of current. All right. Um, Casey, what do you got for us this week? Hey, I'm still here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and say since, uh, it, it, since we've been tackling a lot of really big issues with TV shows this week, like time travel, we got the high tech with Silicon Valley, and uh, something a show that I think really cla- uh, classily wraps it all together is an old 2007 show used to be on G4 called Code Monkeys. I don't know yeah. if you ever. <laughs> it Very uh, good show. <laughs> it was short lived, uh, probably for the best, because it was uh, it pushed quite a few boundaries. Uh, sometimes a little bit too far. I wasn't sure how they showed uh, some of the things that they showed on TV, but I guess it was already pixelated because uh, the whole thing is shot in a 16-bit style. It's uh, very nice. It's very funny. Um, I don't think it's on Netflix, uh, but I'm sure if you Google it, it'll come up online somewhere. That's not promoting piracy. Uh, I'm saying (laughs) get it on like Amazon or something. I I don't know. It's got to be there. (laughs) <laughs> nice. Thanks, Casey. Uh, Matt. Oh, you're welcome. Back to sleep. Uh, me? I am picking... Okay, guys. I'm sorry. And had made maybe to mo- most of you, but I'm picking the entire Fast and Furious series. Okay? <laughs> I'm picking them all. Okay? <laughs> I, have to, I have to... This is my soapbox, okay? Because Fast and Furious series is so much fun. It's just... It's, it's just a dumb 
fun action movies. And when you watch them in order, like how I did after I watched Furious 7, um, you see just kind of like the progression of the show. So, like, it really just is like a straight-up 2000s action movie in the first, like, two movies, right? And then Tokyo Drift. And then, like, it's... And then it kind of just really embraces itself in, like, the fourth, fifth, and sixth movies. Especially in the sixth movie, in the fifth movie, where they're just like, forget it. We're just going to, like, drag a giant safe with cars, because why not? And then, you know, everyone saw the... Uh, the hopefully everyone saw the trailer for Furious 7. Well, you know, we're just going to drop cars out of a plane because why the hell not and um it's that why the hell not attitude that i love the fast and furious series so it's my pick for this week i don't know where you can find them i'm sure there's a box set somewhere um in terms of streaming i'm still not sure where but yeah like casey said uh google it but don't pirate it <laughs> i'm super excited for uh for furious 8 where uh you see the the <laughs> the lunar buggy at a stop sign and then vin diesel pulls up right next to him and they yes. have a a little bit of a race on the moon. Yeah, it'll be a good so one. Good. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, so uh, I'm going to make it easy this week. And and again, I lost my train of thought. Nice. Damn it. What the hell is wrong with me today? This um, week is train of thought. Railroad, <laughs> railroad robbery, man. You are. Uh, oh, that's what I was going to say. So <laughs> I, I was. So keeping with like the time travel and, and uh, bizarre, crazy storylines that we love to watch. I was actually going to suggest some extra I think I suggested it uh, during our first year, which was uh, Slider. So I won't recommend that um, again. But I will recommend Lost. If you have not seen Lost, so you need good. to watch it because it is such a great show. That first pilot episode, that 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 pilot episode would just get you hooked, and and you'll never look back. It's you can go watch it on Netflix. It's such a good series. I loved it. I I loved the whole series. Um, just the stories they told. The twists and turns that it took—it's—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a timeless series. I think that that you can just—you can watch the whole series, and then you can go back and watch it again. So, uh, my pick for this week is Lost. Uh, you definitely need to check it out. And with that, that is going to do it for our show today. Um, hope hey, you enjoyed we it. Made it. We, made it. we made it. We made it. We we made it to the end. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed our long and he- heavily packed. TV talk because we love talking TV here. Um, Lauren, why don't you let them know where they can find you? You guys can find me as always on Twitter, uh, Lauren underscore Galloway. And I co-produce the Assembly of Geeks podcast, which we cover a wide variety of awesome nerdy topics. And my producer, Scott Murray, is currently at Star Wars Celebration. And he is doing something really cool. He is recording panel footage and sound bites and uploading them every night onto our podcast feed. So for instance, if you saw the Star Wars trailer that got released yesterday, he recorded what the audience's reaction to that trailer was as they were watching the trailer. So, <laughs> like, awesome. you hear the music, you hear the audience, like, gasp and shout and, like, cry at certain parts of the trailer. Like, I, I, I re-listened to that soundbite, like, five or six times last night because it gave me just mad goosebumps. So you can <laughs> find all of Geeks Assemble um, podcast feed on iTunes and on our website, assemblyofgeeks.com. All right. Thank you very much. Um, Casey. Yes. <laughs> Where can they find you at? Oh, they can find me uh, <laughs> on Twitter at Via Blast and on Instagram at uh, 
At, uh, what, what's my Instagram handle? Facey Cranko, that's what it is. Uh, yeah, that's about it for social media. I'm gonna probably start a new Snapchat, a new Snapchat called Fifty Shades of Franco. I just haven't gotten around. To it. Oh my I god, that's so good. <laughs> so, uh, oh, that's stay good. Tuned, stay tuned for that. Uh, in the meantime, you can donate to my medical bills uh, on uh, GoFundMe. And, uh, there's police outside my window. Should probably should probably ask Matt about his stuff at this point. All right, Matt, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at I'm Salzy. I am S A L Z Y. And you can find uh, you can find us on Twitter at Cena Nerd. You can find me at Pacing Pete on Twitter. You can email us at scene letter N nerd at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes. Give us a review. We'll shout you out on the show. Um, all right. Till next week. Uh, you have a DVR. Use them. Bye, 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 bye. Blah. Oh, God. Facebook. <laughs> <laughs>